Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. What's up, Brew Talkers? Thanks again for your time, energy, and attention that you are giving to this podcast, especially as we are gearing up for episode four. I know your attention can be anywhere else in the world on any other device, but the fact that it's here means the world to me. This episode is going to be rich with content and will equip you with tactics you can immediately use during your next social interaction. So jump into the episode and remember, pinkies up. Let's get it. What's up, Brew Talkers? And for those that may be joining us for the very first time, welcome to the Brew Talks podcast. I'm your host, Benji Gomez, and I am stoked for what we have in store for you today. As always, remember, if you haven't followed us on Instagram, get right now and search at Brew Talks Podcast to stay updated on all of our content. Give us a follow and a five-star review on whenever you can get your podcast. Your support means the world to me, and the more people that know about Brew Talks, the more global connections we can all make and spread good fortune around the world. All right. Now, it's an honor to welcome Sarah Ainsworth, owner of Sarah Ainsworth Etiquette on the Brew Talks podcast. She is certified by several of the premier etiquette schools in the country, including the Emily Post Institute, Etiquette and Leadership Institute, and the Protocol School of Washington. So without further ado, welcome to Brew Talks, Sarah. Well, thank you so much. I'm honored. To, I'm truly honored to be here. And we go back a long way. We do. I, I was thinking about that. <laughs> um, let's see. Waco YP's probably 2017-ish, somewhere around there. I had asked you to come and give a similar talk just like this in front of a room full of uh, young professionals. And I will say it there wasn't a room full of folks. There was like actually like five because I didn't do a good job of like bringing folks together. So I oh, still to this great. day think about it and I, I don't want to apologize. I didn't oh have the gosh. room I, packed. I did not remember that at all. Yeah. I just remember coming and meeting you and how, you know, professional you were and thinking the world of you and doing my shtick and leaving. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even know how many people are there. Yeah, so. no, it, and it was it was wild. And I think there was a lot of good content that you shared. There was an amazing story that you shared. We maybe have an opportunity to talk about it here, but I, I've always remembered that. And I was like, man, she was so kind. She was so gracious. You worked with me even beforehand. And then to, I, I think just to have kind of a flop of the event, it just still sticks in the back of my mind. So, well, yeah. I don't remember it as a flop. Oh, that's your, that's your perception. Perfect. So. Awesome. And really Benji, if you, you know, in such a situation like that, if you have helped one person, that was worth your time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it was a hundred thousand people or one person. Yeah. You've made no. a difference. Yeah. So. No, you're absolutely right. Well, thank you again for being on here. Um, for the listeners, you probably read the description, but we are going to be talking about anything, social interactions. Um, we're going to be talking about business etiquette. And hopefully by the end of the podcast episode, we've given people some tactics that they can chew on and immediately put into practice in the next business meeting networking events or just you're mingling with between two people and you really want to have a great first impression 
Before we get into that, I want the audience to know who they're actually dealing with. So can you give me a little bit of your background, how you got started, why you got started, and then we'll jump into the rest of the content. Yes. So I um, have a degree in education and I taught school for a while and had my first child and did not go back into the classroom. And Mm -hmm. this was my, really my alternative to being full-time in a classroom and at the same time, you know, reaching for that yearning inside of me of creativity and that I needed, you know, just a fulfillment of, of teaching, which is what I think if you, if you are a teacher, you know, that feeling Mm -hmm. inside of you. So, um, anyway, I started this business, 28 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. And it has just evolved into, you know, I, I, I have not, I have not even really even advertised it. <laughs> I have an Instagram, but um, anyway, it's, you know, I started out with children and mm-hmm. then I had sat next to someone and they wanted me to do a teenage class and I did that. And then I sat next to an insurance executive and he said, oh, Sarah, my team could really use this. This would be great mm-hmm. when they take clients out to eat or they need to be more professional and this would be excellent training for them. And so I delved into business with that yeah. and just have continued to educate myself and just continue to, to challenge myself with, with jobs mm-hmm. and programs that I offer. And it's just been fun. That's yeah. what I can say more than anything. So I looked at your website and I see anything from um, young children to then uh, teens, college students and then business executives like you've already alluded to what is the common thread in all of them like why would somebody need to take etiquette courses particularly as you start advancing in your career and you become i guess more acclimated to like social settings well from a young you know young person's standpoint whether they are 16 and just starting to interview for a a job that they're employable to, you know, fast forward to a college, college scholarship, fast forward to, um, an interview for a program they want to be in fast forward to a job interview. You know, all of these are steps. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the more you, the more confident you feel, the, the, the better impression you make Mm -hmm. and it's a competitive world out there. And so by, having some tools in your toolbox Mm -hmm. that equip you to feel more confident Mm -hmm. because confidence creates competence. Mm -hmm. I remember, I love, I love that. And you want to be, you know, you want to be, you want to, you want to have the details that make the difference. Mm -hmm. And, and when you know these things, then you can just be authentically yourself. Right. Because you're not preoccupied or ridden with anxiety in your mind going, oh gosh, am I doing this right? Oh gosh, did I, you know, did I introduce them correctly? Mm -hmm. Or did I use the right fork when I went to, for that interview dinner? Um, Instead, yes, you know, you're doing it all correctly. This is the foundation of respect. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for every rule. Sometimes, um, in fact, I had a woman the other day text me, it was about a, was something for a wedding and yeah. she had, I don't know, for, put the initials of the couple for the rehearsal dinner. She was the mother of the groom. Yeah. And, um, she said, Sarah, I was told this was incorrect. <laughs> and I said, 
who cares if it is incorrect? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's enough just to know the rules to know if you're breaking the rules. Right. <laughs> like she didn't, there was nothing disrespectful about that. Oh, so, yeah. and as, as our culture changes, so do the rules. As we evolve, so do the rules in terms of just the nitty gritty black and white rules. For example, think of all the things that have changed for women in mm -hmm. one generation. Yeah. And in terms of jobs that, you know, they can be accepted programs, schools, voting, you know, whatever it is, like think of all of the, all of the th rules that have changed, especially for women mm -hmm. in our culture. That's, that's interesting. So how does, how does culture play a, a part in the way that we conduct ourselves socially? And I'm going to really use a business context because we may not be so, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Conscientious of it when mm -hmm. we're just interacting at a coffee shop or when we're just talking with buddies and everything. It really, I, th I feel like a lot of these um, skills, and I'll call them skills because they have to be practiced over mm -hmm. a period of time. Mm -hmm. Become habits. Right. Usually come into play for professional things like interviews, programs, scholarships, um, even when you're applying to, grad to schools, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's going to be certain interviews that you have to conduct yourself. So how does culturally, how does that influence the way that we are taught to behave in a social setting? So every rule, like I always say, there's a reason for every rule mm -hmm. um, or else this is all unreasonable. Yeah. And every rule was created, whether it's a dining rule or whether it is um, just a social rule of respect. It's yeah. all created for ease and flow and respect mm -hmm. of one another. Yeah. And when you think about etiquette in that vein, like I told you earlier today, it's not about exclusivity mm -hmm. or elitism of knowing the rules. It's, it's knowing these things and feeling so confident in yourself that you make the other person feel confident because really self-actualized people they they have beautiful manners because you know there's no defense in them mm -hmm. they just want the best for themselves and the best for you what's interesting that and I love the the quote that you use you know etiquette is about inclusivity not exclusivity what i immediately think about is generational learnings mm -hmm. so when i was brought up my my father in particular um I feel like the basic things are yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, mm -hmm, yes, sir, no, sir, mm -hmm. shake your hand, firm hand grip, all that stuff. It wasn't until I started getting into more of the scholarship interviews, more of the program interviews that I experienced at Baylor, right? Having mm -hmm. to apply and then interview. And like you said, sometimes those soft skills, the, the, um, yeah, we'll just talk it up to that. Some of the soft skills can be the differentiator between the yes. type of impression and rapport that you make with someone and that be the difference that gets you into the spot versus outside of the spot. And so I recognized early on when I when I got into Baylor and to the university that I was I was capped. And I was capped because my parents had gotten me really far away with understanding how to navigate socially, but mm -hmm. I recognized it was a point to where I needed to learn more. And that's mm -hmm. where I think that your etiquette classes, the knowledge, even, you know, resources like this podcast can be really valuable to particularly first generation students yes. that are 
beginning to navigate and trying to understand this world that sometimes to a certain degree is exclusive because if you're not brought up with understanding these social norms, it really can put you at a disadvantage for taking opportunities whenever they're presented to you. Um, so I just, again, want to commend you with the work that you're doing. Um, well, manners create equality. What do you, what manners, do you mean Well, for example, manners are really the great equalizer mm -hmm. in terms of, so let's say if, um, okay, for example, I have a son who graduated from college, is interviewing with one of the biggest banks in Texas. I said to him, so how did you know um, about, you know, how, what did the, did you receive an email about the interview? He said, yes, mom. It had an interview and then it uh, had a, and I received an email and then at the end of the email, it had RSVP. Well, Benji, if you had come from a background that you didn't know what that meant. Yeah. You're, you're already at a disadvantage, whereas knowing the rules creates an equality of all people. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Just what you're saying. I mean, or knowing how to shake hands, knowing, knowing the importance of eye contact, knowing all of these things that might not, you might not have grown up knowing, mm -hmm. but they do elevate you and, and create an equality that regardless of the background, mm -hmm. you you are standing on the same foundation. Yeah. You know, what's, what's interesting, the first thing that comes to mind when I, when I think about you saying that is um, associations and I like people who are like me, right? Mm -hmm. So even culturally, what I think about when you say manners is like, it is a great, a great equalizer because if I understand how to mirror your behavior or rep represent myself authentically without mm -hmm. getting rid of myself. Right. Still being you, right, still, still being, being the authentic Benji. Right, embracing with, my identity. Right. But then also understanding how to navigate this space and present myself in a such a way where I'm building rapport with the other person and being seen in likeness with them. That's where I find that you are you increase the likelihood to be successful and to seek opportunities and to be able to... um advance a lot mm -hmm. quicker than somebody that says, I don't know what RSVP meant. You missed the deadline and now you're not in the room where you need to be. Um, so I, 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 I just agree with you. I mean, I agree with you in terms of like etiquette is and manners is the great equalizer. That's yes, isn't be that a beautiful way to look at it? That's going to be, that's going to be quoted somewhere. It is. I mean, manners create equality Yeah. and what I teach creates for example, the story I told you earlier about the the young woman with the scholarship. Oh, yeah. I think that's a wonderful story. Go ahead and say that. Go ahead and tell that one. So um, I had a young woman. This was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And she came up to me. It was, a, um, it was a dining tutorial, which I do for, you know, a lot of business, a lot of professionalism classes in businesses and then as well as collegiate level classes. Mm -hmm. So this was a collegiate level class and the woman, this darling, darling woman came up to me afterwards and she said, thank you so much for um, teaching me this information. Mm -hmm. I said, oh my gosh, of course, it's my joy to teach. This is what I do, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and she said, well, I have two scholarships and I'm a junior. And so for the past two years, I have had to go to, or two and a half years, it was in January of her junior year. And she said, I have had to go to luncheons 
mm-hmm. and receptions and dinners for my my scholarships, right. for these two scholarships. And she said, I was always so nervous and so intimidated at them. I would tell everyone, oh, I'm not hungry. I've wow. already eaten. <laughs> and she said, now I can eat. <laughs> <laughs> and so that... For example, in that case, mm-hmm. she felt equal after having after having these tools in her toolbox. Yep. She could show up at the table and maybe she's sitting next to, you know, the donor that gave a million dollars to the scholarship fund. Yeah. I don't know, but she was using the forks the same way the donor was mm-hmm. and she felt equal to the donor. So hmm. that's it's a wild story, and I, I'm sure there are many, many other young professionals, sometimes even business folks, who may feel that way, of not feeling confident in these social spaces. And you know, in me going through this process, I've kind of, I've wondered, you know, because they didn't have the competence or just even mm-hmm. the resource to go and feel like, well, how can I, in- how can I enhance my social presence in these social settings? how much success have they left left on the table? How much business have they left on the mm-hmm. table? You know, have they not progressed as quickly just because there are some of these interpersonal skills that they just haven't been taught, whether that's the barrier of like generational learnings, not being in the right people, someone like yourself not having the ability or just not having the ability to tap into somebody like you. I mean, I'm, I've honestly, over the past couple of years, I've been very fortunate mm-hmm. to be able to call you a friend and say, hey, I need I need some help. Right. What would you do in this situation? Right. What would you do in this situation? And what I think is occurring, I was reading an article the other day where they were talking about Gen Z and how that, and that's really the, my brother's a Gen Zer, I think. I'm pretty sure. I'm, <laughs> it's I'm pretty, pretty confusing it, all this yeah, Gen I, X, Gen Z. I know I'm a millennial <laughs> because everybody says that we're lazy and we don't do anything. Um I, I, yeah, anyways, I think he's Gen Z. And what they were commenting on was they were the ones that had to overcome this whole COVID and remote mm-hmm. uh, school that happened over the past couple of years. And now, as they're transitioning into the workforce, mm-hmm. they are not as equipped with how to navigate in these professional work settings. And I've, I found that interesting because that never would have resonated to me. And I, I also believe, this is my assumption, we assume people know how to properly act in the workplace. And what we're finding out with Gen Z is that's not the case. Have you witnessed that as well? Yes. And I think I think the pandemic created a lot of a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. um, for a lot of students. I mean, I just think that was just to such a, you know, unbelievable time in terms yeah. of socialization and a lot of a lot of young people lost some social skills during that time or went inward and hid behind a phone you know we've already got the phones working against us True. in terms of socialization and hiding behind a screen and not knowing how to communicate with people mm-hmm. um, but I think if you had a propensity for social anxiety that might have exacerbated it yeah. And um, I think that, you know, 85% of your job success Mm -hmm. 
regardless of what industry you're in, is directly related to your your people skills. And so, you know, let's say you have a 23-year-old new employee who really has never had to, you know, never had internship. It was all over Zoom. It was all over, you know, it was, you know, never had, I think, a lack of internships during those two years, three years. I think that Mm -hmm. was a loss of learning of of those interpersonal communication skills within an office. Mm -hmm. And that, that was a, you know, that was definitely a detriment but I think that, you know, the more you learn, I always say that my my three tenets of my business are, first of all, I teach kindness mm-hmm. and I teach confidence and I teach communication. Yep. And whether you are communicating via email, whether you are communicating via the telephone, the mm-hmm. old fashioned phone using your voice, <laughs> <laughs> or you are, you know, it's your social media, you know, those are all forms of communication. And, and sometimes between the higher executives and the 23 year old, there is a gap really of, of what is acceptable and what is, what is seen as disrespectful. And what, just if you can comment, what okay, is that gap? For example, um, So, for example, just telephone etiquette. I'll just start with that. Mm -hmm. So I have um, a son who sent out, um, was in charge of, you know, organizing a meeting and sent out an email with a program that he was very used to. Mm -hmm. Well, the higher executives within this company didn't have that program. So they they didn't know about the meeting. You know, it was a Mm. whatever, whatever the whatever the program was that he sent it out on right. Google or I don't know, whatever it was. Okay. And um, so first of all, he, you know, didn't realize that not everyone has this, <laughs> has, you know, this, this is not how you're okay. going to tell everyone about a meeting Got in it. this document, whatever it was. Okay. Then in the middle of the meeting, the phone rings in the middle of the table. And so my son answers it and says, Hello. Oh, and in the middle of the meeting? In the middle of the meeting, in okay. the middle of the conference table, the Got phone it. rings for the company. And my son answers it and says, hello. And the executive said, yes, may I ask who's speaking? <laughs> and he said, well, yes, this is John Ainsworth. Yeah. And he said, well, John, I'm going to give you some advice. Anytime you answer the phone professionally in this company, you need to answer the phone, this is John Ainsworth how may I help you? Or this is John Ainsworth. Mm. And <laughs> that was a good lesson. Yeah. You know, just I'm picking on my son. I'm telling his own story. But <laughs> but that is a good example of a young 23-year-old new in a company mm-hmm. and not understanding all of the the rules. And, you know, each company has a culture too. Correct. The rules of yeah. that of that company. Mm-hmm. Each, you know, every, every, every culture has their own rules. Every, you know, community has their own rules. For example, when you said that you were brought up to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, no, sir. Well, in a lot of part, in many parts of the country, Benji, that scene is sarcastic. You know, actually. And not as respectful. I will say also, sometimes the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am is... I, th- I think I think you just said like disrespectful. I've had people tell me that 
um, why are you calling me sir? Why are you calling me ma'am? I'm right. not that. I'm. It's offensive. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, but <laughs> that's how I grew up. That's right. Exactly. I would rather say that and then you tell me it's disrespectful and I can kind of throw in a yeah or a mm-hmm. like, hey, how's it going versus not doing it and me being in front of somebody else and not making it a habit and, you know, the first impressions are gone. What's what's interesting about about your son, John, <laughs> and poor John. Tell sorry, John. Story. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about sorry, that, buddy. Um, some people would come back and say they actually don't matter. Like, why would anybody care? That's so minuscule as far as like how he answers the phone. If you're answering the phone like that, you're just being nitpicky. I think the older generation, right? right calling the boomers or whatever, like they need to just chill out. How do you feel about that? Well, I would say, I, you know, yes, I see that. However, those those are the people within the company that are promoting you. Mm, yeah. Maybe, you know, um, those are the, those are the, those are the people who are writing your year end reviews. <laughs> and I think the, the more detailed you are in mm-hmm. your professionalism, yeah. whether that is dress, whether that is your emails, whether, whether that is, you know, your communication style, but mm-hmm. the, the more that you, the more professional you are, the, the more you set yourself apart. Mm-hmm. You know, as you were, as you were saying that these are the people that are promoting you, these are, these are the people that are writing your annual reviews. There's a concept. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm, I've been wanting to write an article about it, just haven't had time. There's an, there is a uh, a framework called mm-hmm. PI, and mm-hmm. it stands for Performance, Image, and Exposure. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I don't know about this. Look it up. It was fantastic. And I, I it was a super, I wouldn't say it's a supervisor. It was a, uh, a vice president at my company that communicated this to me. And naturally I thought, oh, well, I already, I already do that. But it was interesting that when I had the framework, I could now focus on the areas where I wasn't doing enough that actually made the difference. So anyways, the real quick, the synopsis behind Pi is it's actually, there's a misconception where we think our performance is what drives those annual reviews. It's what gets us promoted. It's mm-hmm. what does all the things for us in, in career success. What actually happens is it's inverted and exposure is the number one thing that supervisors and people offering promotions want to see, then it's your Mm -hmm. image. And then actually your performance isn't actually a big component of how you move in and out throughout the organization. And part of the exposure is people want to see you. People want to see Mm -hmm. that you're a social creature. And Mm -hmm. for some of the introverts that are out there, that doesn't mean you have to become a social butterfly, but it means you have to be seen within your organization. Mm -hmm. To what you were alluding to, it's the image. It, which is the I and pie, and it's the image of, okay, if I am looking at you, do what are the things that come to mind, right? Do I think that you're professional? Do I feel like you're articulate in the way that you communicate? And even more is if I have to put you in front of external stakeholders and, turn, and put you out there to where you are representing the company, how are you going to represent us? Because that can also be either um, 
that could also bolster the company's reputation or it could really damage it, right? And then you have to do some damage control. And then the last one is just performance. Make sure you're doing good at your job. But I really thought about that where you were talking about some of those things. And while they don't, they may not matter in the grand scheme of things, if you're looking to be promoted, if you're looking for people to buy into who you are, those are the nuances, the the details make all the difference. That's that's where it comes into play. So for any of the young professionals um, or even some of the folks that don't feel like those really small nuances um, don't matter, they both of us are here to encourage you like they actually do. And we should pay a little bit more attention to them. Um, do you have anything more to comment just on that before we kind of They are on? the details that make a difference, I think. Yeah. So perfect. I also want to get into this because I want to make sure we touch upon it. Um, people are always looking for validation. Can you tell me a little right. bit more about and that? And that's really, to me, the validation is respect. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, I don't know what the exact definition of validation would be, but um, I think that validating someone is the essence of what manners yeah. are about. And what does that look like? When I when you say validate somebody, what is what um, comes to mind? Yeah, what 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 does that mean? What does honor and respect mean? And I think it it means slowing down in mm-hmm. our fast-paced world and really making eye contact, mm-hmm. really being present. I just worked with I did a program the other day with um we kind of tag teamed and he was, he's wonderful. And he's the head of HR for, um, the school district of the state of Texas prison systems. Oh, okay. And he said, you know, if you want to make a real difference in your company and really know your employees, he said, find out their dog's name, find out their kid's name, mm, okay. ask him on Monday, how that soccer game was, you know, you don't have to get you know, be their best friend or get really personal with them. But that's validation. That's saying, hey, how is your mom doing? You know, hmm. just I think validating someone is is seeing them. Yeah. And you don't have to get, you know, all into their personal details. You don't have to know every, you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't need to overshare in any way. But especially in an office setting, just taking the time, it's it's being thoughtful. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting that just came to mind? Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but I used to be uh-huh. a theater kid in high school. Uh-huh. And I did not know that. I was, I was in theater for about a year and a half, was in a couple of productions, one that went to, um, we did the UIL competition here in Texas. It was, Where did you grow up? Um, Corpus Christi area. Okay. Uh-huh. More realistic, it, it's uh, Beeville, Texas. Okay. It's about yeah. 45 minutes north um, of Corpus. And... In my research of theater and everything, usually in productions, I hope I'm not chopping this up too much. When you look at movies and theaters, there is a sense of clothing is used in order to symbolize that there are layers of the personality or of the um, the internal stuff that they are shedding or mm-hmm. covering up. And so anytime that you're in a theater production and you see actors slowly start shedding pieces of clothing, whether that be Mm -hmm. a jacket, Mm -hmm. whether that be a shirt, rolling up your sleeves and things like that, Uh they're constantly letting more and more of themselves 
um, be exposed to the other counterpart. And so when I think when I think about validation, I think about well, how often are you getting some of these smaller details that are then allowing people to shed a little bit more of they're being closed off and allowing you to be more and more seen for for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about validation, I think about it's validating their existence here right. in this world and and appreciating the uniqueness that they bring. Um, yes, and and that's where you know, and the uniqueness that we all bring, and by having all these tools to know exactly what to do, then. For example, that scholarship student that I talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. she can show up at that table and be fully herself and really shine Mm -hmm. her authentic self, you know? (laughs) There's another book I want to, I want to communicate to you. It's called the charisma myth. Uh Um, My boss told me to read it, but it's a lot of what you're talking about, right? So if we take the scholarship luncheon idea there's some internal discomfort that's occurring. And a lot of the internal discomfort that we feel is exuded in our external behavior. Like we really feel it. Mm-hmm. If you see the person that's really timid at networking functions, it's probably because they've got so many different thoughts, so many, so much anxiety right. inside of their mind that they don't know how to calm themselves. And I've been, I've, that's happened to me so many different times, even though I may come across as like jovial and like right. extroverted there are points where I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm even coming across the way that I want to. And I think as we continue to give people more and more knowledge and skills and find ways for them to have more confidence to go out and put these things into practice and get that repetition, you're going to start seeing it. I almost think of it like a, like a bar chart, right? Where you've got anxiety really high and confidence is mm-hmm. down here. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's going to invert itself because they know exactly how they need to act in social settings. And so once that right. confidence comes up, that's when that authentic, right. their authentic self You're like self comfortable become, in your yeah, own skin. Yeah, exactly. I feel more comfortable in this setting. Right. And now I can show you who I really am. And I think that's what people want is the authenticity. Right. But we get so wrapped up in our head of like, am I, am I doing this right? Am I, am I presenting myself the best way? Did it, what I just say fall on death ears. Was that even right. funny? Oh, right. I hope not. Right. You should start. Uh, I do that so much. I overthink everything, especially when I'm lying in bed at night. Um, <laughs> but let it go. Mm, let all that go. Yes. Because really in your, you know, your real power is in your authenticity. Mm-hmm. For example, this, this podcast that you've created, yeah. this is very authentically you mm-hmm. and it's powerful. I'm glad you think so. Yeah. Thanks. So think about it that way. That there was a couple of things that you had mentioned here. Go out into the crowd and validate someone. Right. Don't let it be about you. Mm-hmm. Make it about the other person. So if you walk into any situation, um, you know, everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, go up to someone and say, hey, how are you doing? You know, it's good to see you. What have you been up to lately? Have some questions in your back pocket. Have you seen this movie? Or what's your favorite show right now? I need a good show. And you can actually watch someone's body language go from very closed to very open. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, or, you know, ask them about their pets. I don't know. Just everyone has a story. And the person with the nicest manners at a party Mm -hmm. is not the one looking for you know, the big 
boss to go speak to or whoever, you know, you need to not the power play mm -hmm. person, but sees, you know, that no one's speaking to this person in the corner and goes over and makes an effort yeah. to speak to them and, and makes them feel like a million dollars. So to, to continue on that, there's two things that I'd like to add. One okay. is a quick framework for everybody listening. It's called Ford. Um, Ford is a great framework for doing exactly what Sarah talked about, which it stands for family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. In points of conversation, see if you can hit those highlights to really get a sense of who the person is, what does their life look like outside of whatever current situation you're in? And it really can help generate some rapport with people because those seem like categories where you all can share something in common and are talking points that you can continue conversation. So that's one thing that I wanted to add. And then the more and more that I, that I ex explore my career, and I think it's applicable not only in a corporate setting, but also in a community organization setting, mm -hmm. is people want leaders. And leaders aren't necessarily the ones that are totally technical, right? Mm -hmm. There's got to be an element of people skills. And we also want to know that the leader cares about the rest of the people that are around them, right? Because eventually as you ascend higher and higher into your career and organization, you become in charge of more people. Mm -hmm. I think um, decision makers want to see that you can corral and influence people right at a large scale to get things done and you can't necessarily do that if you don't care about people or you lack the interpersonal skills to remember some a dog's name right or to remember right. that the kids and and paying attention and prioritizing those details of another person's life um so thank you for jogging my memory um yes, you're welcome and speaking of that you know just remembering i sometimes write in my contacts on my phone notes oh. i started doing this like okay you know um, the kids' names or, you know, just just for my own, because I'm just getting older and they said that the older you get, the you know, the, the larger your Rolodex in your brain is. <laughs> and I'm like, what was that child's name? I forgot. Yep. So um, anyway, you know, you include some, you can always include in your contacts notes. That's interesting. About that person that would just help you remember to care for them more. Mm -hmm. I also think about it too is, I don't know how people would feel about this, but if I'm having the notes, normally whenever you share contacts, oh, yeah. you usually share the entire <laughs> you contact. Have to take it out, yeah. But I, I wonder if that could be beneficial for somebody else if... If you include the kids' names. If you include one. the kids' names. I, I think there's probably some, some way you can do that. Um, but yes, I do agree with you that having those highlights would be helpful. There's an app that I downloaded long time ago. It's called Revere. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it allowed me to essentially do the same thing except in an external app. Oh, and, it okay. would, and it would remind me when the next time I had set to reach out to the person. So it was almost like a mini CRM. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, I'm going to have to write all this down. I'm going to have to re-listen to this and write Pi and Ford and Revere. I'm telling you, <laughs> it, this is where the gold is. I'm, I'm learning some stuff. So um, we're coming to the end of our time. Obviously, if you haven't seen it already, there's going to be a part two. So everybody be watching out for the part two with Sarah Ainsworth. But I do want to make sure that we round this out with some tips that people can can execute at their next social interaction. Um, so what would you be just like Sarah's top three networking tips that you can give anybody? So my top three networking tips would be um, one, don't ever miss an opportunity to introduce yourself. 
Introducing yourself is a lifelong skill, especially a leadership skill. It makes you, you know, it, it, back to validation, mm-hmm. you're validating someone. In fact, just a second ago, I was at the dentist and um, the woman at the receptionist, I said, remind me of your name again. And she just lit up and she said, it's Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, even just saying to someone, remind me of your name again. I know we've met. I'm Sarah Ainsworth or, mm. you know, whatever. It, maybe you've met them. You, what you don't want to do is say, oh, it's nice to meet you. And that person say, yes, I've met you. 50 times, but you know, so there are ways to navigate that. We could have, we could do a whole series on that Mm -hmm. or a whole um, talk on that. But I think never losing the opportunity to introduce yourself. Okay. If you are standing next to someone and you know them and you know the person, obviously that you're speaking to introduce the two of them to one another, make the effort um, to, to make that introduction Mm -hmm. Because you know, you know, if, if it goes back to validating, if it's your spouse, if it's your friend, if it's just your date, you want to make sure that they feel validated and that you've introduced them mm-hmm. to the other person or the person that you're speaking to has no idea who this third person is that just came up. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it, you are the, you're the liaison between those two people. So mm-hmm. I think introducing yourself, introducing others. Um, remembering names, there's a rule of three. You repeat the person's name upon meeting them. So if I met you, you know, let's say I just walk in and I turn to you and I don't know you. I'm like, hi, I'm Sarah Ainsworth. I'm like, hi, I'm Benji Gomez. I would say, it's nice to meet you, Benji. Okay. Then I would say, you know, let's say. Conversation. Yeah. How do you know, how do you know the hosts or something like that? Or how long have you, you know, how long have you been with this company or, you know, if it's a large company. Anyway, ask a question. If you realize you don't remind, don't remember their name, Mm -hmm. you can always say, okay, remind me of your name again, or how do you spell it? Or, you know, so try to repeat it during the conversation or make sure that you know it. And then upon leaving and never leave a conversation without saying goodbye, don't just float away or. (laughs) Oh, that was was a closure you were talking about, right? Yeah, bring closure to any conversation. So I would say, Benji, it was really nice to talk to you. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to, you never, I would never leave you by yourself either. I would say, um, Benji, would you, I see someone I know, you want to come over with me and and meet them? Or, you know, if you want to say, I think I'm going to go grab something to drink. Do you want to walk over here with me? So that would be, that's a great way to sort of segue out. Or let's say another person has come up to speak to you all. Okay. you know, you're talking to some, it's you and it's okay. It's the two of us and someone comes up and I'm sort of ready to, to exit. exit. Right. Got it. And I would say, Hey, but I would bring closure and I would say, repeat your name, Mm -hmm. Benji. It was so nice to meet you. And um, I hope to see you soon Okay. and have a good evening. Interesting. And then then walk off. Yeah. You know, three wonderful tips. I will say that I'm guilty of, <laughs> my wife will tell you, I'm guilty of not introducing her enough. and she will, Always err on introducing people. She will tear me up as yeah. soon as I don't. So that's, that's an insight that I can take. The other one was, I was always afraid. I did, I never, I, I say never, 
I don't do a good job of bringing closure. I'm usually saying, hey, it was great, really nice to meet you. I look forward. And I usually say, can I connect with you on LinkedIn? And usually everybody's like, yeah, sure. And then I'll right. find them. But then I leave. I never thought about bringing them along with me to see if there's another interaction that they can be a part of that then allows me to gracefully exit the the conversation. Right. I had never thought about that. That's yeah, you, because you would never want to just, I would never just leave you standing there by yourself. Mm -hmm. I think and that I, would make you feel badly. It, it does. And I, <laughs> and I also go back to the, the impatience personally that I have, but then also the, it's about me. I want to leave the conversation because I want to go talk to somebody that I feel may be more interesting. I want to get something out of them or right. I've been waiting 45 minutes to talk to this person and now they're finally left alone but i'm still talking here to joe smith over here um so it's just a constant reminder right I, I talked about it in one of my previous episodes which is give value first mentality and it really is is to tag onto that is providing validation right how would that person feel would they feel validated if you just abruptly decided to exit the conversation and now they're left there in a corner by themselves right so right just, just, you need to be sinc really sincere about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And bringing out the authenticity. And right. you never know. If you take somebody along with you, there is the potential that they will meet somebody that could change your life, which is what we're talking about with Brew Talks, right? It's that right. one human connection that can provide you the opportunity that will transform your life. Yes. So, well, Sarah, I, th I think we're going to close part one. I'm going to call it part one um, of Brew Talks. And I, I want to say I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, you've been a friend <laughs> for so long. I hope we can we'll continue being friends forever and ever. Um, and again, thank you for your time and energy attention on this episode. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be here. And you're a really sincere person. Benji Gomez. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and you're making a difference in this world. I'm trying to. Keep um, up the good work. One episode so, at a time. That's right. That's yep. right. You're making a positive impact. Yep. So thank you. Thank you for your work. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. If any of you are interested in learning more about Sarah and the value she can drive to you, your team, or organization, visit sarahainsworth.com or visit her Instagram at sarahainsworthetiquette. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well at Brutox Podcast for updates on all things Brutox. I'm your host, Benji Gomez, challenging you to help brew global connections one conversation at a time. Take care, guys. Pinkies up. If you enjoy the content of this episode, and this is something you'd like to put in your coffee morning, noon, and night, please subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.